Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Welcome back to the Triple Threat Theater Podcast. This is episode number 81, Out to Pasture, and my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Dax, Mm -hmm. joining us this episode, an old friend, an old podcasting friend. An illustrious guest. Jesse Munoz. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome back, friend. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm always honored to be on the show, like... Whenever uh, Ryan shoots me the text, like, hey, do you want to be on the show? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, right away. <laughs> yep. Take bringing you back in for duty. <laughs> Especially because I don't have to do sidetrack anymore. So like, right. it really feels like I itch. have to do sidetrack anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is your second appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last time I remember was kind of a maybe one of our more obscure uh, episodes. In that it was, uh, it was full of good movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Keep them coming. Writing commentary. Yeah, that was. Um, what was the angle on that? Was movies written by directors? Uh, the pen is mightier. So it was. Uh, yeah, movies written by people who were more known as directors, but mm-hmm. did not direct the movies in question. Right. Right. There's got to be a more eloquent way to say that, but probably. Uh, this, but honestly, this one is kind of another another one in that same ballpark. It's not just like, hey, yeah. three Stallone movies or exactly. three movies with this word in the title. So that's what I was thinking too. So break it down for the people. <laughs> yeah, this time around we're doing Out to Pasture, which is uh, these each one of these movies is the final film. Uh, starring in a leading live action role, a prominent actor before their retirement. Mm-hmm. So we've got League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from 2003, starring Sean Connery, who retired after this film. We've got Welcome to Mooseport from 2004, uh, starring Gene Hackman, who retired after that film. And The Old Man in the Gun from 2018, starring Robert Redford, who... That one's still pretty recent, but he claims he is retired. Mm-hmm. Any uh, history with these three flicks? Jesse? Uh, I actively avoided League of Extraordinary Gentlemen my entire life. You've never <laughs> seen it before today? No, before this? No. Oh. <laughs> there was yes. no reason for me to ever watch this movie. <laughs> Just like, knew I, better. I knew that it was trash the moment I saw like the previews way back when. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Uh, actively avoided it. So, uh, but forced to watch it feels like sidetracked again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mooseport, I had never heard of, but I really do like mm-hmm. Gene Hackman. Like Sean Connery, I was never a huge fan, mainly because I never really was into like the Bond stuff. And there's like a couple hits here and there, like The Rock. But I don't know. I just it was never a Connery guy. And Gene Hackman, I really enjoyed in, in some of the older stuff that we revisited. Or visited for the first time when we did did sidetracked. I feel like uh, we hit a few good Gene Hackman ones uh, back in the day. I think we watched Bat Twenty One. <laughs> What's that? 
Do you even remember what that one was? Bat 21. Was that the submarine one or the, gosh, there was one, and that submarine one, but there was one, I'll never forget it because it ends like on this awkward freeze frame from the seventies. Do you remember that? <laughs> it was like out, out on the ship or something like that in the middle of the water. It was, I can't remember what it was, but. I think you're thinking of the deep where it's like someone it's I think it's not that's not Gene Hackman if that's the one that I think you're thinking of because that's mm. an ocean movie where it's like he like I think it's Chris Christopherson comes like splashing up from under the water with his hand raised in the air and it freeze frames on him is that what you're thinking of no or? no no I think that 21 is like a Vietnam movie where it's like Gene Hackman is like s- stranded uh, on the ground in hostile territory and i want to say like danny glover is like his pilot buddy who's like trying to find him flying around yeah, looking for him. vague vague it memories is. of that yeah that is it gene hackman plays lieutenant colonel iseal hambleton which is quite the name <laughs> <laughs> oh i remember the one that you're thinking of god i can't remember the name of it it, it ends with like somebody in like a a glass bottom boat like mm-hmm. sinking and mm-hmm. like they're looking up through the glass. Yep. Man, I don't remember the name of that movie. Yeah. It, that the freeze frame always stuck with me though. Uh and then Robert Redford <laughs> is just a classic, like big fan of the Sting, you know, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Captain America the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> All of his classics. <laughs> yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh I've actually never read the comic, but uh I think partially because I'm not a big fan of Kevin O'Neill's artwork, but oh, blasphemy! Um, I really like his stuff. You do? Yeah, I think his stuff's good. I wouldn't have guessed that, but uh, fair enough. But yeah, uh, saw the movie in the theater when it came out, and uh, remember liking it. Wow. I mean, I I don't remember there like people trashing it right away. Like, at least that's not my memory. Maybe because I liked it. <laughs> And then uh, I liked it enough that you I bought left the DVD. The theater liking League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I liked it enough that I bought the DVD. Like I remember, it must have been over like a Christmas break or summer break or something from the Kubert School because it came out in two thousand three, which was my first year there, the year that you were there, Jesse. And um, I remember like every week I would go. Me and some of the guys from the Clinton House where I lived would drive to the Rockaway mall and go to either FYE or there was another like movie store downstairs in the mall. And uh, like every week on Tuesday, when the new stuff came out, I would go and like buy a movie and we'd go back to our place and watch it in my room. Mm-hmm. And I remember buying league of extraordinary gentlemen on DVD when it came out. <laughs> I don't have that DVD anymore and I have not seen the movie in a long time before tonight, but uh, then Welcome to Mooseport, I never saw. The only reason I even remembered it existed is because I remember at the time hearing that Gene Hackman retired after it, <laughs> but never saw it. I never had a great desire to see it. And Old Man and the Gun, I did see probably the year it came out in 2018, um, not in the theater or anything, but it was probably one of those things that I, I saw for free from the library or something. And uh remember being kind of ho-hum about it, but it being noteworthy and memorable to me because it's allegedly, you know, five years on Robert Redford's final starring role. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about you, Dex? Um, So LXG, uh, familiar with the comic, never read it, but I actually did queue it up at the library because I kind of want to read it now. Um, Was always aware of the movie, didn't see it in the theater. Uh, Saw it many moons ago, remember not liking it. 
and then kind of not exactly avoiding it since, but never really feeling the need to rewatch it. Um, I feel like I, I like Sean Connery. I mean, I grew up like rewatching Indiana Jones and the, you know, mm. the one that he was in. So that was yeah. like pretty steady rotation. So I feel like he was always around just from that. Almost that alone, more than the Bonds, even for me. I like to think that that's the title of the movie, Indiana Jones, and the one that he's in. (laughs) (laughs) Last Crusade. (laughs) Always liked him. Um, I don't know if it was only until recently that I realized like this was his last movie, and like as we'll get into, if it uh, (laughs) forced him into retirement. Oh, we'll get into it. We are going um, to get into it. So there's that. I was not even aware of Mooseport being a movie at all or what it was about. I didn't even know what it was about what it was about when I hit when I pressed play on the movie. I'm actually in the same boat with you there. I knew the movie existed, but mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. Kind of same thing until we planned out this episode. I didn't even realize that Gene Hackman had retired. So mm. I mean, <laughs> clearly it's been fifteen years since he's been in the movie. Fifteen years plus, but hadn't really thought about it. Old Man the Gun, uh, not on my radar at all. Um, I like Robert Redford as well. I think I kind of, when I've heard of this movie recently, I think I the only association I had was I thought, Milzy, that you didn't like this movie, but that's only because I was thinking of maybe that Robert, Robert Redford boat movie that you hate. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that movie. <laughs> so that's really like the only frame of reference I have for Old Man and the Gun. Yeah. Did he get nominated for like an Oscar for that boat movie? I think. Maybe. I think so. I can't even think what it was called, but I just it's that idea. I don't remember the name of it, but I saw it, and it's essentially about like a guy who gets lost at sea alone, and so, you know, I would say to my recollection, like ninety plus percent of the movie is just him alone on a boat, and like if you're alone in a situation like that and you have no one to talk to, you don't talk. And there's no, in my memory, there's no like flashback scenes to him having conversations with people in his life before or anything like that. So it's just him silently like dealing with all the problems you'd have to deal with stranded on a boat alone. Like, Oh, there's a hole in the boat and he's got to go fix it or whatever. And it like, that's the whole movie. And I just remember it being very boring. I mean, (laughs) That's tough. A single actor and they're not even talking because you think of other stuff like that movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds, where it's just him buried in a coffin for the entire film. It's not a very good movie, but it's a little more entertaining to my recollection because he's got a cell phone and he's like talking to people and then like a fucking I think like a snake gets into the coffin with him or some shit. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen that one myself. Yeah, probably probably not worth a look. But who do you think has more Oscars between the three of them? Um, I would guess Robert Redford, but I don't know for what. But I'm just that's flat out a guess. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know what I would say any of them actually have Oscars for. I mean, I feel like this could be a trick question and none of them have any. But I, I also am inclined to say Robert Redford. Although I feel like Gene Hackman, maybe... Crimson Tide, he's got something going there. Think he got an Oscar for that? I don't know, I feel like that was a big deal at the time. I think he's good in it too. Yeah. So so Gene Hackman has been nominated for an Oscar five times. 
Mm. Uh, Redford nominated five times, not all for acting though. Well, he actually, four, let me rephrase that. He's been nominated four times. And then Sean Connery was n- nominated once. And oh. the person with the most won Oscars is Gene Hackman with two. Interesting. So he was nominated for, for Bonnie and Clyde and I Never Sang for My Father. He won for The French Connection. Mm, Popeye Doyle. Nom- nominated for Mississippi Burning and won for Unforgiven. Those are his five nominations and wins. Right. Mm. Uh, about Unforgiven. Uh-huh. Redford was nominated for The Sting and then he won as a director for Ordinary People mm. um, and then was nominated in Quiz Show for picture and director but didn't win and then he got an honorary award in 2002 so he so he technically only won one award which is the same amount as sean connery who won <laughs> one who was only nomination um for, for the untouchables touchables mm. <laughs> highlander, highlander. <laughs> could have been zardoz i was gonna say i was like it should have been zardoz <laughs> Oh, I would have guessed. I would have just thought that that Robert Redford would have been nominated for more, or like have more awards. But yeah, I, I between guess the not. three of them, honestly, yeah, they all feel like they all should have been. But yeah, him the most, I'd say. Yeah, that. I mean, that's I the, agree he was with you on that one. He, I mean, he, he's like the guy behind the Sundance Film Festival. It seems like he's the most like pure actor of all of them, or something to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's really no basis for that uh, point of view. He's, he's no Ray Romano. <laughs> well, <laughs> few people are. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about no, before we get I, into I, the first movie? I feel like we're all very ready to dig in here. <laughs> all right. So uh, movie number one from 2003, we have League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a.k.a. LXG. Hawker, the chemist. Oh, chemist, eh? Do we get to blow something up, then? My eyesight must be worse than I thought. No, your eyesight's fine. No games, Anne. Some time ago, a talented, albeit misguided, man of science discovered the means to become invisible. Yes, I recall the tale, but didn't he die? Well, he did, but his process didn't. You see, I stole it. And here I stand for all to see. There's some parlor game. Believe it. <coughs> Easy now, Alan. I'm feeling a bit of a draft in my nether regions. And I must say, it's quite refreshing. Allow me to introduce myself. Rodney Skinner. Gentleman thief. Now, I thought invisibility would be a boon to my work. Well, you can imagine, it was my undoing. Once you're invisible, it's bloody hard to turn back. We finally caught him. And they'll provide an antidote. Well, that's if I'm a good boy. And are you a good boy? I guess you'll find out. Because I think at the time, uh, X-Men 2 had come out and they called it X2 and then the, uh, the studio was like oh man we gotta go with those like shortened cool hip titles mm-hmm. LXG <laughs> X's are hot right they, now <laughs> why did they why did they name X-Men 2 X2 that was so dumb 
I don't know. <laughs> I remember that. It's, it's, it's so just, dumb. just the style at the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> LXG. So yeah, based on uh, the comic book series of the same name by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. Um, has any have any of us ever read it? I I, I read the first like trade. You did, no. yeah. Like recently, or no? It was a while ago. ago. Yeah. It's one of those things I've always kind of wanted to read, but just never felt like a high priority. I feel like Alan Moore is one of those guys for me who's kind of hit or miss and more often miss, even though he's <laughs> yeah. like one of those. I it, feel like the most like beloved comic writers by like the masses, like him, Neil Gaiman, uh, Grant Morrison. These are guys who I like some of what they do, but not much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was about to drop the hot Same. take that I'm not really into Alan Moore. Like, yeah, I like Watchmen good enough, but I like Watchmen. Yeah. Same. I th- couldn't even f- complete V for Vendetta myself. Yeah. Personally. Same. Never read uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. I've never, I tried reading his Swamp Thing and I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. Like I said, I will be giving this a try, but we'll see what happens. I do like the premise. I've always been very familiar with the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your favorite comic is planetary and it's a very planetary kind of premise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like his own version of a Wold Newton universe where you take characters from all different uh, po- properties and bring them together to see how they would interact. Mm-hmm. I mean, the comic is better than the movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> like, I'm not even a big <laughs> fan of the comic, but this movie is yeah. awful. Like, just awful. You know what it feels like? It feels like if... Uh, the crew made a movie, not anyone with like any sort of like artistic talent. <laughs> it was like if you took a bunch of crew guys and said, "Hey guys, can you guys make this movie for us?" And they're like, "Sure, we'll do that." And then this this is what you get: the fact that they're like the, a script was there. I had someone wrote this movie, right? You know who wrote it, right? Or no? N- no, no. Comic book writer James Robinson. Known for mm. Starman, JSA, and a ton of other comic books. Didn't he make a shitty movie too, like on his own? Like <laughs> I've never direct. seen it, but he did make a movie. He wrote and directed an independent movie called Comic Book Villains about about two comic book store owners who are like fighting over an old lady who is trying to sell her dead son's comic book collection, and each store wants it. It's uh, Donald Logue runs one comic store, and uh, what the fuck is his name? Um, Carrie Ells. He's in it, but he's not the other comic store owner. Um, Did Jay Qualls? No, he's Michael like Rappaport. A, uh, Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport <laughs> runs the other comic store, and I think Natasha Leone, who's fucking yeah. hot right now, is, yeah. plays his wife. Yeah. Yeah, that dude sucks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the fact that anyone... <laughs> The f- has credits for writing this is ridiculous. Like it, it's it to me it even hardly qualifies as a movie. Things just happen. It looks mm-hmm. shitty. Everything's shitty about it. I will say this: I feel like Sean Connery did his like show that he's a true, up the like, joint. Yeah, I feel like there's a an <laughs> like what he when he brings it, it feels like he actually is attempting something. Um, mm-hmm. whether what he's given is any good or not. doesn't really matter. It feels like he's just trying, like he's a real actor. You know what I mean? And then you surround him with a bunch of uh, people that have never acted in their life. At least, at least it sounds, feels like it <laughs> when you watch the movie. Hey, I looked up these actors and the dude who played Captain Nemo, uh, Nasiruddin Shah, he has probably made twice as many movies as Sean Connery. They've just all been in Bollywood. Mm. Okay. 
I thought, you know, I thought I will say this, like, as far as the actors go, most of them are fine or serviceable. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you give an actor like terrible dialogue and or like zero motivation or any stuff, it's like, what are you supposed to do with it? Right. Like it really comes down to writing and uh, and directing and the writing and directing of this movie are awful, just awful. Dax. Um, yeah, this movie's rough. It's extremely rough. I think it came out at the very worst time for it to come out. Where it's like, uh, I think in like the worst time for mainstream movies where they were trying to make blockbusters and it just ends up being like uh, pretty ugly and falls apart throughout the movie. It, even to like what Jesse said about like uh, the crew being responsible for making the movie, to me it feels like, like did they film this and make this like chronologically? Because I feel like it starts out way stronger and completely falls apart by the end um i also agree i kind of like i like sean connery in it and i feel like he kind of does bring something to his role you know there's lots of you know his action is all lots of quick cuts and you can't tell if it's mm-hmm. him or a stuntman but that's you know that's a given um i liked i actually like um captain nemo <laughs> yeah i thought uh, that guy enough. was fine was yeah like, he was fine yeah i thought he was fine i thought he was like you know I'm actually like a way, I don't even know if it's ever come up on the show, but I'm like a back to childhood, like huge fan of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea book and the movie. So mm. I've got plenty to say about the awful Nautilus in this movie. But um, <laughs> Oh, wow. Well. Uh, I was literally about to say, uh, but you got to love the design of the Nautilus, right? I hate it. I think it, I know it's completely different than the book. I know in the book, it's like made it looks to look like a, like a giant squid. Which nothing's gonna beat the movie design, but the squid is cool. But then for this to be just like a giant, like uh, it's not even a yacht; it's like a you know a cruise ship. It's the sword of the sea. I think is what they call it. Yeah, a terrible name. It's you know it's ludicrous how big they made it, and it's even like crazy to me as an idea to completely go away from how it looks in the book. To make it so stupid in this, and then, like, who did no one realize that they're going to be having this thing a, attempting or supposedly in like the canals of Venice, like it would fit anywhere? <laughs> like, it just doesn't even make sense. Like, well, like whoever was writing it had no interaction with whoever was designing this ship because the two just don't go together. I think, and especially every part of Venice, I feel like is where the movie completely starts to fall apart because it all is just looks bad, is bad, isn't exciting or interesting. And then it just goes downhill from there. I also think... I feel like... I think the movie can kind of be summed up from that scene where Sean Connery is doing, like, some sort of skeet shooting. Mm -hmm. I don't even know know exactly what it is. It's like... It's not even yet, because he waits for it to land in the water, right? And then he shoots it. Okay, (laughs) so I think this is why the movie can be summed up, because it's like he teaches... Uh, Shane West, who's playing what Huck, uh, Tom, Tom Sawyer, Fitt, Tom Huck, Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer, Agent yeah. Sawyer, yeah. He's teaching him how he's teaching him how to like shoot or whatever because he's a dumb American who just fires as many bullets as he can. And he's like, "Take your time. You've got all the time you want." And that's what this movie kind of feels like. Where they're like not in a hurry to do anything. Like, how about like show uh, uh, 
was his name Sean Connery like as an ace right like this is a movie mm-hmm. he can do whatever he wants so like he fires it and he's got this giant long gun and he can like shoot it without even like really aiming because he's so you know what I mean like yeah. do something other than like oh there it goes up in the air the <laughs> yeah, pole. It lands really far away it the, lands water. the water now take your time uh-huh. take your like what the what that's this is a movie. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So <laughs> dumb. It's just so dumb. Let's just take. And then it comes back in the end where he's like, take your. T- he's running away. Take your time. What? Get out of here, man. Mills. I enjoyed the movie. Oh, my Go gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't. Oh. I mean. It's it's the 2003 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen film where they spent all their budget on Sean Connery and couldn't afford any other name actors. Like, but that said, in the act of watching the movie, which I hadn't seen in a very long time, uh, it's very flawed. But I still managed to enjoy it on like a schlocky kind of pulpy level. Uh, like, there's a lot of ideas in it that I like. I actually, like, you're right that it makes no sense to design the Nautilus like that if you know in the script that you're going to bring it to Venice, but I like the look of it as just, like, this giant white pointed thing that comes up out of the water and all the, like, kind of Victorian design on the inside and the look of that, like, stupid little, like, uh, escape vessel that kind of looks like an octopus that comes off the side. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that the the design of the car was really cool. I mean, this was this was that era where there was, like, way too much CG starting to be used in movies and a lot of it not very good, like, especially at the end when... That snow? <laughs> Did you see the snow when it was, like, digital snow, how bad it looked? Anyone notice that? Uh, I didn't, I did, but I didn't. It was so that. bad. It was so bad. Go back and watch how bad the digital snow is, because it is really bad. But there was a lot of stuff, like, this one still had that feeling to me of we're not that far out of the 90s yet, and there was still, like, a lot of physical stuff that they built that I kind of liked, like the car and, and like, uh, the vi- the villain's mask and, and like, a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff like that and, like, the, the period clothing and all. Um, you know, some of the CG is quite bad. Like that dude who overdoses on the Mr. Hyde serum at the end looks hideous, which I remembered looking really bad. (laughs) But, uh, even, even down to the design of Jason Fleming, when he is Mr. Hyde, like that's largely physical him in like a big crazy costume with like makeup and stuff on. And even the fact that it's like. You know, they designed him to be kind of hideous where he's like not um, symmetrical. And he, I just thought like he was cool looking. So you just have to be if someone does something practically, that's the uh, you'll be impressed by it. Is that what it is? It doesn't matter that everything else. About I mean, it. did you think Mr. Hyde looked bad or like the car or anything I'm talking about? Or like, I know you didn't like the movie. I'm not <laughs> saying those are like the only reasons to like it, but I'm just naming some of the things that I did like about it. And I appreciated about it. Mm. I just was so checked out because the movie was super boring and like, just so, so see, hard. like you're doing the opposite of what you just tried to say I was doing. You're like, oh, as long as it's practical, you don't care. It's just good. You're like, I found the movie boring, so I'm not going to like or appreciate anything about it. Mm, I don't know. No, I don't that is know exactly that. the opposite I, of what you just tried move, to do to like, me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was our artistry to some some things, I, I suppose, but. I feel like if a movie doesn't work, if it has a, you know, a cool 
design, I, I don't know, that's not going to save it for me, I guess. I'm not saying it has to save it, but to just completely write it off and be like, I'm not even going to give the movie props for like a cool looking car that they built just because I didn't like it. But re- was it really that cool? The car was that? I thought it I was with like the extra like, like wheels in the front of it is then like the long hood. Like, I don't know shit about cars, but <laughs> I do like the car. Uh, I don't even know if that would make any sense, like how you would steer a car with those extra wheels in the front or whatever. But I just thought it looked cool. Mm. There is actually such a thing. Is there R- race cars? Yeah. But with e- really? With extra wheels? Yeah. There's like a certain a certain kind of race car that. uh I think it's from like the seventies or something that had four small wheels like that up front. Wow. All right. I know. There you go. I like I like the car. I'm I mean, I agree with you, especially on um Mr. Hyde, especially like being practical. I just think he looks cool anyway. I also agree the CGI bad guy version of him was oh, real awful. Hideous. Um I think for the movie for me, I was actually having a good time in the first act. I like the first act. I like how it, it, these kind of movies when the team's coming together, I liked the opening for Sean Connery's like opening scene was kind of fun. Um, you know, again, I like Nemo. I kind of like, I think it's up until after like the Tom Sawyer first shows up, like the shootout in the, the library or whatever. Once the team's together mm-hmm. up until that, I'm like, I'm enjoying myself. I'm like thinking like, you know, okay, I'm I'm like into it, but it's after that. I think especially, like I said, once they get to Venice and it just feels like, that's when the buddy starts running out or something on the sea gene. It just looks bad. And the again, the Nautilus. And even at that point, I feel like the story for me is like, it's just, I feel like it's like a bad idea with the whole angle of um, the Phantom is actually M. And like all it is is like for him to be a, I don't know, basically like a gun runner. Like and stealing just, all their powers. Yeah, that like just that there is actually no like... um there's no like versions of the league through history. Like that was just made up so he could steal their powers. It just seemed like he's, you know, bringing a team of his, of his enemies together against him just for that. I'd feel like it was just kind of bad writing. Yeah. I mean, if anything about the movie, the story and like the logic of it all, isn't the thing that I'm going to sit here and praise. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed some of the set pieces, like the, the car, like trying to speed past the crumbling buildings in Venice, kind of dumb, but like the, even just the little scene between the Phantom and Sean Connery in the graveyard having like the duel, I thought was kind of cool. I liked the like I hadn't seen it in so long I didn't really remember. I mean Dorian Gray feels like a villain the whole time, but I liked the little thing where everyone thought it was the Invisible Man because mm-hmm. he can turn invisible. He would be the one, and I liked the idea of uh, it turning out that like Dorian like initially works with the villain because he's got the painting, which is like his downfall. Like for mm-hmm. it's like you know his their version, their like goofy pulp version of. I've kidnapped your daughter. Now you have to do what I say kind of thing. Right. I do like Jason Fleming, who plays Dr. Hyde, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's a character actor in a thousand things, including a bunch of Guy Ritchie movies. And he was uh, Azazel in X-Men First Class, uh, for example. Oh, I didn't know that. I like the dude who played Captain Nemo. I like that version of Captain Nemo, like the kind of strong, silent type, mysterious Mm -hmm. dude. Ass kicker. Some of the rest of the cast, like Peter Wilson, fine as Mina Harker. I didn't really know who she was. I guess her big thing is she was the lead character on uh, a Canadian production of La Femme Nikita that ran for 96 episodes. 
Don't really know who she is. Didn't okay. think she was super strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dorian Gray guy, Stuart Townsend, eh. Tom Sawyer, eh. I mean, he was an addition for the movie because they wanted to make it appeal to A, American audiences, and B, younger audiences more. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I agree with you guys that I think Sean Connery is the strongest part of it. And yeah, it's like, you know, they, they spent $17 million just to get him for the movie. And I think that he goes a long way. I think that money went a long way with him in it. This movie made money, though, didn't it? Yeah, budget on this was $78 million. Box office was 179.3. It was still considered a disappointment because they were hoping this was going to turn into like a franchise. They were already planning on adapting the sequel where they basically do the League versus the tripods from War of the Worlds. But Oh, sign me up for that. Yeah, it didn't do. Was that in the book? That's the second comic series, yeah. Oh, nice. I don't even know what the plot. Do you remember, Jesse? Is the plot of the movie at all similar to the plot of the first comic? I don't. It's been so long since I read it that I don't really remember. Yeah, I mean the the villain's plan is kind of been there, done that. It's it's just like how you know Captain America is a super soldier, so everyone wants to try and get their hands on him to duplicate the super soldier serum. And mm-hmm. it's funny how early in the comic book movies they started on the thing that a lot of people complain about, where the villains end up just being like slightly different versions of the heroes uh-huh. where there ends up oh, being yeah. a bad invisible man in this. And there ends up being right, a bad right. do- uh, Mr. Hyde in this. And <laughs> I do want to like, look up, look into like how, whatever practical stuff they did for his, his get up just to see like what the kind of process was. Cause he is like crazy malformed in this movie. Yeah. I read something in passing that a couple of other actors that they asked about it, uh, turned it down because they didn't want to deal with all the makeup and stuff whether or not that's true i also think um at least early on the the invisible man effect looked pretty good like when he's putting on you know the makeup when they first kind of Mm -hmm. he reveals himself i don't know when this is uh how close this is to like hollow man but um, i think hollow man came before this if i'm not mistaken i think that movie came out in like 2000 i actually i think what i liked that he put makeup on at first, kind of, but when it was just him wearing white well, paint with white paint, <laughs> that was <laughs> awful. I wish they just used bandages or something. Yeah. That was their way to like just be able to show him. But yeah, just use bandages or something though. Like that was such. I I, wow. I just I, I hated this movie so much. It was so dumb. At least the effect of it, I think it looked. It did look yeah. pretty good. I was surprised how good it looks especially when it was like you could only see portions of him or and you could see like the back of the paint through the back of his exactly. like invisible head yeah i was kind of surprised with that yeah i mean i i agree that it's like noticeable and you can tell exactly what they're doing during the scenes where he, he's just a, a human normal with his face painted white but oh yeah again i i guess because i wasn't uh having a terrible time with it i was like i see what they're doing and i get it i mean this is mm-hmm. their way Around I'll save it. a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. But why, why bandages? Like, couldn't you just do bandages? I mean, you could. But I mean, then yeah, it would just be probably. bandages wrapped around a head. I don't see how it's that different. I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, it didn't but, bother but, me one way or the other. Like, I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was awful. Also, I think by like this time, I mean, this is 03. Like, everybody making movies at the time probably thought the CG looked 
amazing yeah. you know so they probably they to them it looks you know phenomenal and like this is this is the future this is how this looks so good now it's us watching it 20 years later but <laughs> yeah as far as the vis- invisible man's concerned the thing that i've I found the most trouble with was the fact that he was naked in like the Arctic tundra at the end. And we're just supposed to be okay with him just saying, yeah, I'm a little cold. I'm naked here or whatever. And it's like, he trekked (laughs) all the way up from that like base to their secret cave naked in the (laughs) snow like that. Didn't he die? I thought he died. I thought he got like burned up at the end, but then everything seemed like fine. No, I think, yeah, he got burned, but I'm assuming he just healed, and when the scabs are gone, he's invisible again, I guess? I don't know. You would think if it's part of his body, the scabs would be invisible, too. I mean, that's just weird invisible man logic, (laughs) regardless of what movie or book or whatever you're talking about. I mean, he definitely got torched, but who knows? Because it's like that one part where he's drinking... You see the liquid like going down through an invisible windpipe, but then the rest of the mm-hmm. movie you don't see like just liquid hovering where his stomach would be when he's you know invisible. Like anything he eats, you'd be able to see. Like, yeah, there's definitely yeah. lapses in logic. <laughs> yeah, they're just doing things for the gag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the action at the end is that early two thousands, lots of fast cutting and stuff that I don't oh, particularly yeah. care for. Again, that was like the style at the time. This is. This was directed by the guy, Stephen Norrington, who made Blade. Oh. So he definitely had a style, you know. I think I saw somewhere, like, this was his last movie. Like yeah, that. I have all the details. We're going to talk about all that. Yeah, <laughs> hit us with all that, because we're... You want me to hit I you? Mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we know how we all feel movie-wise, but yeah, I know this <laughs> This has a uh, illustrious uh, history. Okay. So, um, let's see, where does it begin? I have so many notes about this movie. Uh, Sean Connery and Stephen Norrington did not get along at all on set. And uh, (laughs) so after the movie comes out, Norrington didn't go to the film's opening party. And when somebody asked Sean Connery where he was, Connery said, check the local asylum, (laughs) which I think is a great (laughs) anecdote. Um, Apparently, Stephen Norrington, like this movie was like a huge production and he had ba- he had basically done a movie in the 90s called Death Machine, which was like a low-budget movie. And then he did Blade, which was like kind of high-profile. But then this was like a huge ensemble cast movie. And apparently he just like didn't get along with the studio, was uncomfortable working with like so many people and being in charge of everything. It just sounds like it was kind of a nightmare for him. And then it ended up – he was arguing with Sean Connery about everything. Like there was a scene I think in Venice where like the – entire league is like just kind of like walking down the street looking badass and Stephen Norrington asked them to do it again and Sean Connery was like we were just walking down the street you want us to do that again and Stephen Norrington apparently made a comment about like uh for 17 million dollars yeah I do expect you to do it again or something Mm. like that so then uh around the time of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen (laughs) Uh, Sean Connery had turned down the roles of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, the architect in The Matrix, and Dumbledore in Harry Potter. And he ended up making this movie instead, I think because he wanted to play the role of uh, Alan Quartermain. And then this being the movie that he ended up in, he wasn't super happy about it. Uh, So he announced his retirement in 2006, citing his disillusionment with, quote, the idiots now making films in Hollywood, <laughs> which makes it sound like he decided to give up acting because of Stephen Norrington, which just makes you wonder, 
how does it feel to be the guy that made Sean fucking Connery quit mm-hmm. acting? Like, that's Seriously. how bad of a director you were? I, I, I bet Sean Connery was kind of a prick, though, too. Like, I mean, he made $17 million on that movie. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, that's, I don't know. Like, if you make $17 million on a movie, especially with what, whatever the budget was, you know, like, they couldn't cast anyone else. Mm-hmm. And you don't get along with your director and you've been working that long. It just feels like... Yeah, maybe maybe he was a dick, but maybe so are you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was probably also the first and only like big like modern year 2000-ish special effects CG heavy movie. Oh yeah. And you know, he's used to old school filmmaking and he even insinuated in that quote like, you know, it's like these guys nowadays that he doesn't like. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure that there was a bit of a chip on his shoulder too, but uh yeah, then um, Stephen Norrington, after Blade, and even after this movie, I think, he was attached to a Ghost Rider movie before that got made, a Shang-Chi movie back in the early 2000s, the live-action Akira movie that has still never gotten made, hopefully never will, but has been attached to like 20 different fucking directors over the years. Huh. Um, he was attached to Clash of the Titans before that got made. And he was one of the 50 fucking people attached to make a new Crow movie, which isn't too surprising considering he did Blade. But, um, yeah, Stephen Norrington had such a hard time making this movie that he announced afterwards he would never direct again. And as of yet, he hasn't. Though, (laughs) in 2018, Stephen Dorff, who's personal friends with him and was in Blade, said that Norrington is, quote, making a film with miniatures at his own house. And St- and uh, Stephen Dorff says that he thinks it will probably take him another decade to finish it. Oh. So he went the route of uh, Ben in uh, Parks and Rec? That's exactly what I was about to say, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's at home making a stop-motion movie. Amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Sean Connery briefly came out of retirement in 2012 to co-produce and voice a character in a Scottish animated film called Sir Billy. And he also, that same year, I think, narrated a documentary about St. Andrews University in Scotland called Ever to Excel. But those are the last two things he did. Mm. And then he died in his sleep from pneumonia and cardiopulmonary failure on October 31st, 2020. Dang. It's going to be pretty rough for Steve Norrington. But like, you know, of all people, Sean Connery hates my guts. Yeah. I don't think, I doubt he's losing any sleep. <laughs> I bet he did at the time. You know, I would, th- I would hope, twenty years later, he's not. But I can only imagine like the the fallout from this movie was probably pretty rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you make a shitty movie because it seems like uh, Sean Connery is pretty vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one other anecdote that I had about this one is that uh, in two thousand three, Larry Cohen, director of The Stuff, among other things. And Martin Pohl sued Twentieth Century Fox for plagiarizing their script called cast of characters which they had pitched to the studio in the mid 90s which had kind of a similar premise noting that the league of extraordinary gentlemen movie featured numerous literary characters that were in their pitch but not in the original league of extraordinary gentlemen graphic novel Mm. Uh, fox denied those allegations vehemently but still settled out of court well so that means that part is partly true yeah i think specifically 
Tom Sawyer was the big one because he was added for the movie again to like help Americanize it a little bit for U.S. audiences. And I think he was a like a key part in their, quote, cast of characters movie that they wanted to make. But I think Dorian Gray was also added for the movie. I don't think he's in the book. Yeah, maybe. Wasn't there uh, someone been trying to take another shot at this? Yeah, I mean, there's been rumors of a TV show for a long time, I think, but I haven't really heard anything firm materializing. Mm. I want to say like 2015 was maybe the last time there was any real news about it, but I might be wrong. Okay. But uh, to wrap that one up, what is everybody's personal favorite Sean Connery movie or role? (sighs) Um... And why is it League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? <laughs> Let's see. For me, it's from Russia with Love. Uh, I mean, I looked over his filmography, and like obviously there's ones that jump out, like uh, Last Crusade, which has never personally been my favorite uh, Indiana Jones film. Um, I do enjoy it, obviously, but um, I mean, I think he is probably still my favorite Bond and uh, from Russia with Love, uh, easily my favorite James Bond movie. So I go with that one. Hmm. I would say I would give it to Last Crusade for me. I just love that movie, and it is my favorite. Uh, Indiana Jones. He is also great in The Rock. Also true. Jesse, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Fair. Okay. I think he's got one line. (laughs) (laughs) Millsy, you also love him in Dragon. (laughs) Who the hell don't? (laughs) Have you guys seen Finding Forrester? Because I feel like that that would be a movie to go out on. You're the man now, dog. The man now, dog. Right right before he did uh, this movie. It's like, oh, man, that could have been my last movie. I haven't seen that. But, I haven't um, seen it forever. It's a Gus Van Sant movie. I mean, I always got, maybe just because of the You're the Man Now dog thing, but I always mm. got the impression that that movie was kind of a like a failure to launch in a laughing stock too, and it could have been the back-to-back of like, oh, I demeaned myself and said, you're the mm. man now dog, and it turned into a joke, and now <laughs> I've done League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with this prick. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's got 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, so. Okay. Like I I don't really know anything about it aside from you're the man now dog I just always maybe because of that assumed it was you know not a beloved movie. Yeah. <laughs> let me add, let me add it to our ongoing uh, sticky note of oh, episode boy. ideas. Um, I did I haven't seen it in forever, but I did enjoy Entrapment when it came out. I haven't seen that in forever. Same, but all right, movie number two, please. All right, from 2004, we have Welcome to Mooseport. Morning, Handy. Morning, Morris. Morning, Handy. Mooseport was a quiet, peaceful town. I think I'm finally ready. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Ready to... To get the new truck, the the big one. Dina, false alarm. Until the day he moved in. Let's welcome the former president of the United States, Monroe... Eagle, to the rumor that I'm only here because I lost my Baltimore house in my divorce. It's just the tip of the iceberg. You thieving, conniving. <laughs> Absolutely true. Now, 
There would be no greater honor bestowed on our town. To beseech you, sir, to be our mayor. I think you should do it. The biggest question is, is it me or did you just get asked out by the president guy? Yes, I think I did. Is this town small enough? Mr. President, I'm running for the mayor of Mooseport. Are you telling me that I'm running for mayor against the man installing my toilet? For the both of them. Ah, what just happened? You're running against the president. And your girlfriend's dating him. Let's bury this guy. Time to take your clothes off. I feel like it's worth giving a synopsis for this one since I imagine most people haven't seen it or don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But essentially, Gene Hackman is an ex-president. Uh, presumably he's just left office and uh, he got divorced from his wife while in office. And uh, so she took the house and he's trying to move into their summer home in a small town in Maine called Mooseport. And uh, at the same time, the mayor of the town has just died and they would like Gene Hackman, the ex-president, to step in and become the mayor. And then he ends up running against... Uh, the local, he like runs a, he's like a handyman. He runs like a, what kind of store would you call it? Like a hardware store. Hardware store. Yeah, hardware store. That's the one. Uh, played by Ray Romano. He's just like a small town doofus. And uh, Gene Hackman like <laughs> hits hits on his girlfriend. And so Ray Romano decides to actually be kind of cutthroat. And it's like the ex-president and like a local guy that everybody likes kind of duking it out in a mayoral race that kind of both of them want to win for pride, but don't want to win because neither of them really care. I don't know which script falls apart worse. Uh, LXG or this one, but uh... <laughs> this also feels like a comedy made by the uh, crew. <laughs> they asked the crew members to write jokes for the movie. I, I've never watched Everybody Loves Raymond, but is Ray Romano the unfunniest person alive? I mean, like, I was going to ask these same questions. I've never yeah. watched this. I know that show was on for like a long time, and I think this movie yeah. came out at towards the end of its run. And like, was he seriously trying to make a run at movies? Because he's awful. Back in the day, like when that show first, I don't remember when it first aired sometime in the 90s, I guess, but like the early years of that show. When I was still pretty young, I watched it and I liked it and I thought it was funny. Couldn't have been more than the first couple seasons, but so much so that I remember buying Ray Romano's book and reading it when I was, I don't even know, it it might have been like middle school. The the book was called Everything in a Kite, and I don't remember a goddamn thing about it aside from the name. Ray Romano's super fan. Yeah, but like. I, I definitely, I don't know how many seasons it ran, but I'm guessing I watched it for like two or three seasons with my family, like at night after school or whatever, the same way I would watch like Home Improvement or whatever. And then, you know, eventually before too long grew out of it. But yeah, back when it was first on, I remember watching it and liking it. Nine seasons, 210 oh. episodes. Yeah. Like. So I've never seen a single minute of that show. So this is all I have to go on for Ray Romano is this movie. Really? He is like, he is so lacking in charisma. Like it's it's messed up. But if I were her, I would have taken a date with the next president right in front of him too. (laughs) I was like, this guy's a bum. I don't understand why she even got back with him. Like, there's no point. Like why? There's, there's no chemistry whatsoever. I mean, I don't know who this movie's for. It's definitely not for me, and it is a 
flat out for me is a comedy devoid of a single joke. <laughs> I think the only person that made me laugh was the old lady that worked at the uh, June store Squibb, with him. Who at that point in her life became known as like a mouthy old lady, kind of like Betty White. <laughs> I, she was, I thought she had like a couple of lines in there that were actually kind of funny, but I mean, that was pushing it. Not like ha ha funny, but like, oh yeah, I recognize that as a joke. Funny. <laughs> That's when you know you're in trouble. I recognize this as humor. Yeah. I feel like there's potential in a silly comedy for this to work. But first, of, it can't be Ray Romano because he he's yes. not leading man uh, material at all. Yeah. You need someone with way more charisma than Ray Romano. Like even a Tim Allen would have been a better lead. Um, I yeah. think part of why something like uh, his his sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond worked is because it was it was an ensemble cast, and it's just kind of like how of all the characters on Seinfeld, like Jerry is the least interesting, but he's kind of like the straight yeah. man, every man who holds it together. It's kind of the same thing because mm. like that show had Brad, uh, what's his name? The, the guy with the really deep voice. Mm. who's like really yeah. tall, who plays his brother. And like, he's pretty funny. And then, um, fucking what's his name? Uh, Peter, uh, the guy who played, uh, Frank, the Frankenstein's monster in Young Frankenstein, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. He played his dad, who I think lived next door or lived with them. And like, he was always really funny on the show, to my recollection. Again, it's been a long time, but I think it's probably a similar thing. It would make sense to me that he just plays the straight man because it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, if you cast Jerry Seinfeld in this movie, I feel like you have the oh, exact it would also, same problem. He wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be. The exact same problem. You need someone that's, I don't, I don't know exactly who you put in in the lead, but it's not one of those guys. You need someone that is actually funny and that can have, have chemistry right. with uh, the girl, the lady. But he uh -huh. has zero chemistry. I think Gene Hackman actually was okay. I think the problem again is the jokes are just really bad. Like it's just yeah, poorly he written jokes to work with. I like Gene Hackman. I think. Uh, you know, for me, Crimson Tide and Enemy of the State and like Royal Tenenbaums is like three solid movies of his that I love him in all three of those. Again, yeah, I think he's fine in this, but it's just he's got nothing to work with, especially no one to work off of with Ray yeah. Romano. There's just like there's just like an emptiness of actual jokes. Like the movie 100%. starts with a dude naked running down the street for no Reason, right. Like, is it's there a like, reason for that? Is, no, is it supposed to be funny? Everyone's just used to it because it's a small town. I guess. Doesn't that make the small yeah, town so you even got it. weirder? Right. I mean, at the end, he loses the ring in the mud and the sewer, and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like brutal to watch. Not funny. Like, what is the point of this? He's just like a bumbling doofus. Also, I think the movie also has the problem of like, it, there's no bad guy in the movie. Like, it. It's like everyone's just kind of like likable, like Gene Hackman's the the best president of all time, the highest approval rating of all time. And mm -hmm. he doesn't really want the job. And he and he went when he goes out the girl and he asks her out, he didn't know it was his girlfriend. And then when he like finds out, That's he feels bad about it. And then Ray Romano's like to, decides to run for mm -hmm. no real it's not like she said if you were like maybe if you were the mayor i'd go out with you You know what i mean there wasn't even any of that right he just got like, this uh, like harebrained idea of like i'll run against you well if she had said that you immediately wouldn't want him to get to win her back 
I know, but it, 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 there was no reason for him to then run for the, like, even with mm-hmm. him asking her out, like, he even, like, there was, again, no bat, there was no, like, villainous, and even at the end, they're like, you can be it, and I can, and I can be it, no, you can be it, and it's like, I just, then the <laughs> right. movie just wouldn't end. Yeah. It was, Born, I don't know. It was like, just like, I did vote for myself. <laughs> no, I didn't vote for myself. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and, and it's, it's a job please. nobody wants, and so why do we care, and... It's uh yeah, it was just bad. Yeah, and then just just the whole like motivation for Handy to want to do it because of the whole date thing just was a stretch. It was just like the whole thing just felt like a stretch throughout. All right, Ryan, why did you like the movie? <laughs> so I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, again, similar to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Plenty of valid remarks. Um, I think part of the reason why I had it, it's like I had like a real easy time watching it. Like, there's a lot of stupid things and a lot of things that I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. But uh, man, did it just have that like late 90s kind of family friendly comedy oh my vibe? God. Man, <laughs> I am surprised. Those 90s rose-colored glasses, man. <laughs> it is nuts. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, Ray Romano's not very good, but I don't know. For some reason, I enjoyed watching him bumble around in the oh, movie. Really? And, oh, oh I honestly God. feel like he's like a black hole in this movie. That <laughs> it, it, he's so sucks, bad. He sucks has all no the energy charisma. out of this movie. He has zero charisma. He has zero, like, energy. His jokes are just... the. I don't even know if they're actual jokes. Yeah. Like what they really needed for this movie was like a Chris Farley. That would have been something if it was Chris Jim Farley Carrey versus Gene or... Hackman. <laughs> oh yeah. That now you're talking. Now you're but talking. yeah, it kind of it was in that like weird ballpark of stuff like since you mentioned Jim Carrey, like Liar Liar or Yes oh, Man no. or Yes. See, I feel like if you have a Jim Carrey, this movie works. We even how with how dumb the story is. Because right. you have something like to care about or to like laugh at like, or yeah, like someone something. can work with a dumb story like yeah, yeah like liar, liar dumb is story, such like... a dumb movie liar liar is so dumb and yet it is hilarious yeah and yeah. that's what this movie is I, that's why I'm, i mentioned i feel like this movie within the right hands with the right people could work and yeah. unfortunately there weren't there because ray romano like you said yeah. uh, dax mm-hmm. Was a black hole, just, just a like black stuck hole with of the lead. Ray Romano's big dumb teeth, the whole thing. It's just like, <laughs> oh I, man, I can't. I didn't expect to just shit on Ray Romano this much. Oh my god! It's like, just, hey man, he I want to see was, the Jim Carrey version of this. Yeah, like this. This ain't a movie that I'm gonna be like recommending to people or something. And it's not like I loved it or anything. But yeah, when when it was over, I was like, I enjoyed that more than I thought I was going to. Wow, like, as just like a middle of the road like. There were, again, there were like little parts that I enjoyed that, you know, admittedly were probably dumb, but like the the fact that they're like, okay, well, let's go play this game of golf. And then it was, you know, just all the ins and outs of how, oh, Gene Hackman had been cheating all these years and he actually sucks. And but he did. I don't know. Because little like, little little things like that are like the, the um the that first um debate that they do and some of the stupid questions and all that come up like it's really written and stupid. But at the same time, I was like. I don't know. I'm I, like I'm I'm being entertained by this, regardless of wow. how dumb it is. And uh, so I like I didn't love it, but I didn't have a bad time watching it. To be honest, oh. the movie is like forty minutes too long. 
<laughs> it's an hour and ten, and that movie could have. It just did not know how to end at all. Exactly. It just kept going and going and going. It was awful. Yeah, any movie like this should be like ninety minutes flat. A hard night. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. How long? How long was it? One hundred and ten. Hour fifty. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking I was like, oh, that's a long one, especially because like Old Man the Gun's only like an hour thirty or something, but. This is directed by the guy that gave us Grumpy Old Men, the live-action Richie Rich movie, the tele- the movie remake of the TV show My Favorite Martian with Christopher Lloyd, Miss Congeniality. Like, that's exactly the kind of movie this is. is yeah, like all that, those, all ma- that all, all makes sense. Kind of like middle-of-the-road, like family-friendly comedy kind of things. Yeah, it could. It, this movie could have worked, man. The ending with Rip Torn coming in and they're like, hey, do you want to run for, for governor? <laughs> I was like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, exactly the, the kind of like cornball thing you expect toward. to happen at the end of a movie like this, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. so dumb. It really could have worked with anyone else except Ray. Props to, props to Maura Tierney, who's always always a, a pleasant. I thought Marsha Gay Harden was good in it, too. Yeah. I feel like she was. ever since, like, the first thing I really took notice of her in was The Mist, because she's such a fucking mm-hmm. awful, unlikable character in that. So now yep. whenever I see her in a movie and I actually like her character, I'm like, man, she's a good actress, because I feel like I should just hate her for all time because of The Mist. Mm. Kind of like what uh, Jesse was saying with no villain. It's like they almost try to make her as a villain for, you know, 15 minutes or so, and then but then she gets redeemed, too. You know, where she's like trying to sabotage things, but mm-hmm. barely. You know, it's another one. Fred Savage. I feel like they should have made like maybe make uh, Gene Hackman more of a dick, but he's actually just like a good guy. Like they try to even give him like the ex-wife, but she's kind of a villain, but she's not <laughs> either. Like, I, it's like there's no yeah. there's nobody like to root against. You know, I feel like you need a, yeah, uh, just... an antagonist in this movie and there is none. The movie's just, like, unoffensive. I'll admit that I kind of like the fact that you're rooting for and against both of them because it, I, I kind of like the element. I'm not sure if they pulled it off 100%, but I kind of like the element where neither guy really wants to be mayor, but they're both doing it just to, out of spite for the other one. And I thought that was, like, kind of a funny a funny angle and maybe a little more interesting than just the ex-president's a dick. Mm. Like, I, I think that is like a good that. idea. I don't think the motivations are there. Yeah, yeah. that, that stuff's a little weak. Like, Ray Romano's excuse for doing it. I mean, again, it's just to, like, you know, shove it in the face of the president. But I, I don't think that that's strong enough without going to the extreme. Like what Jesse said, where his girlfriend's like, I'll only, like, date the president or, or the mayor <laughs> or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, at least, at least give him a reason to run other than... He hit on your 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 girlfriend right. who is you're kind of on the outs with, and he didn't know it was your girlfriend. <laughs> like that the right. that motivation is just so yeah. so thin. Yeah, he came into the store and dog walked Ray Romano all over the place and took the mayoral ship from him, only for him to then turn around and want it back because of the girlfriend thing. It's just it's <laughs> so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and and corny's okay with this type of Mooney movie. Like, let it be corny. But the problem is, it's almost n- either not corny enough, or I don't know. It's, it's just not. It's not funny. Like corny. Everything about it is just safe. It's just super safe. I was, I was gonna say it's like very like unoffensive. Mm-hmm. It's like it's trying. Yeah, it's very safe. Yeah, 
No, I definitely, I definitely felt that too. But which is why Ryan liked it, made him feel comfortable. So yeah, this movie came out in 2004. Uh, that same year, Gene Hackman did an interview with Larry King where he said that he had no movie roles lined up and believed his acting career was over. Uh, then Gene Hackman, actually, I think in like nine, like the late nineties, he began a side career as a novelist and he wrote, co-wrote three novels with another author. Oh, and then he ended up also, he's written five novels now, uh, between 1999 and 2013 while promoting the third novel in 2008, he officially confirmed that he had retired from acting. And then uh, in 2011, he did an interview with GQ or someone who asked if he would ever consider doing one more film. (laughs) And his response was, if I could do it in my own house, maybe, without them disturbing (laughs) anything and with just one or two people. And now he's 93, so. Yeah, he's 93 now. He's still alive. He briefly came out of retirement in 2016 and 2017 to narrate two documentaries related to the United States Marines called The Unknown Flag Raiser of Iwo Jima and We the Marines. And uh, I feel like the only reason I ever realize he's still alive is I, I, every like two or three years, a picture, like a, a recent picture of him ends up circulating of him like riding a bike or just like sitting in a chair smiling with posts that say like Gene Hackman assures us he's still alive and doing well. Hmm. Also, his last movie before Mooseport was Runaway Jury, which I haven't seen but again, feels like maybe a better movie to have gone out on <laughs> than Mooseport. <laughs> stay, everyone's just staying one movie too long. Am I mistaken? Is that um, who was that that novelist Jesse that we watched like a bunch of his courtroom dramas like towards the mm-hmm. end? John Grisham. Was that is that one of his movies as well? The Runaway Runaway Jury. It is with uh, John yeah. Cusack, Dustin Hoffman, yeah. and Rachel Weisz. Yep. Yeah, I've the never novel seen that was one The Runaway Jury. Yep. Yeah, me neither. But again, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Better than the 13% of uh, Mooseport. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yeah, the budget on this one was $30 million. Box office was 14.6. I'm surprised that a movie with Ray Romano, who, you know, like him or not, he had a popular TV show. Like, I'm surprised that a movie with Ray Romano and Gene Hackman that's like a family-friendly movie, like a comedy, couldn't ma- couldn't crack fifteen million. That's a little surprising to me. It does seem kind of weird because I not that I was completely unaware of this movie, but must have just not gotten much fanfare. It's a terrible name too. So I <laughs> yeah, I agree. Fingers. The name could could have used to work. Yeah, it's just too goofy of a name, and the movie does not goofy enough. <laughs> So let's wrap it up by uh, what's everybody's favorite Gene Hackman film or role? See, he play he's he's a miserable bastard in both Crimson Tide and um, Enemy of the State. He's good at playing a prick. He he really is. He can do that like, well. Like I like when Pacino flips out. I like it when Gene Hackman flips out. Um, geez, I might give it to Crimson Tide myself. That honestly doesn't surprise me at all. That's kind of where I thought you were going. Yeah. For me, it's The Birdcage. I absolutely love that movie. I do love The Birdcage. I just think it's hilarious. It's, you know, he's not like the reason it's amazing, but I like him in it. It feels like he plays against type a little bit. And yeah, I just, that's like, if I, looking at a list of his movies and he's been in some great stuff, that's the one that jumps out to me as like, that's my personal favorite. (laughs) Jesse? The Mexican. Uh, Sure. 
Forget, forget that's a movie. Yes. <laughs> I've actually never seen the Mexican. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's tough. Um, I never liked him as Lex Luthor. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I feel like Hoosiers is a movie I should like more, but I remember we watched it and it wasn't as, yep. as into it as much as we were I, both befuddled by why it's so popular. Uh, mm. I have not seen nearly close to all of his movies. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the birdcage. I know I need to see it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, you know, one of the last movie. movies that, that he, that he did that I liked. And again, this is kind of a, not a great movie, but was it it's fun. Moosport? Is the, <laughs> yes, that was, I was going to say Mooseport <laughs> is my favorite. Uh, the replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves. Hmm. He plays the football one. coach. Yeah. I believe I saw that years and years and years ago, but couldn't tell you anything about it at this point. It's not a great movie, but I like him in it. It's a fun movie. Yeah, Dax, I think part of your problem is that uh, he got his start and did a lot of his like most respected work in like the 70s. And you have yeah. said that you have a a big gap in your viewing for that time frame. Very much so. But uh, I mean, yeah, Bonnie that's and when you Clyde get, like, is... French connections and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde early one was, was really good. I wish I could remember what the um, movie was that I'm talking about, what it's called. I'm even looking at all the names and none of them. Is it called Night Moves? Is that it? That sounds familiar. That title just jumped into my head when you brought it up again. It is Night Moves because it even has the water on the front. The, it has okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, I that forget what that's bomb. about, but he's like some kind of private detective or something. And I think there's an actress in it who's like has some nude scenes and she's like pretty young. <laughs> also a uh, great song by Bob Seger. <laughs> I remember really enjoying that movie though when we watched it. The conversation is pretty good. I watched that not too far too long ago. Yeah, that's a movie that I like. I I don't know if I'm as gaga over it as a lot of cinephiles yeah. are, but it's a good sure. movie. It does capture 1970s like movie making at, at, at really well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the things that you that you and I loved about watching those uh, 1970s movies, the grittiness, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like, I never, so in 2006, when I graduated from the Kubert School, as you'll recall, I had to have surgery on my back, like, immediately upon leaving school, and I knew I was going to be laid up for a while, so, like, the last couple days of school, I was going around asking for people for recommendations of movies that I should watch while I was, like, stuck in bed, and uh, the movie Rob Torno recommended me was The Conversation. And I rented it from the library and watched it while I was like recovering from my surgery and uh, definitely feel like at the time I was like too young and naive to really appreciate it. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I own it on Blu-ray now. I think I've seen it once since. And uh, so it's, it's one that I feel like I'm always uh, needing to rewatch. But huh. The Firm was another really good one that he was in. Right. Yeah. I feel like he's not in that one a ton, but yeah. All right, uh, movie number three. Please. All right, jumping ahead a few years uh, to 2018, we have The Old Man and the Gun. No, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I didn't think so. Not because I can't. Because it's just not my style. Not your style. Mm -mm. You have style. I do. Well, uh, tell me what that is then. My style? Yeah. Okay, well, let's take this place. This place is not my style. I'd say it was a bank. 
And instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window. And that lady standing there was the teller behind the window. And you just walk in, real calm, and you find yourself a spot, and you sit down, just like we're sitting here. And you wait, and you watch. And that may take a couple of hours, might take a couple of days even, but you wait. It's got to feel right. The timing has to feel right. And when it does feel right, you make your move. So you walk right up, look her in the eye, and you say, ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun like this. You say, I want you to fill that bag with money, hand it over to me. And don't do anything stupid or foolish. I wouldn't want you to get hurt, because I like you. I like you a lot. As a matter of fact, I might even be falling for you, so don't go breaking my heart now, OK? So she'd fill up the bag with money, she'd hand it over to me, and I'd go out just the way I came in, real casual-like. And she'd, well, you tell me what she'd do. Hey, I'm just pulling your leg. So this movie is based on a true story about a bank robber who was like a very old man, but still robbing banks. And the movie has a very specific style. Uh, Mm -hmm. You could call it austere. Um, You could call it quiet. I found this movie to be aloof. That could also be applied to it. And I had forgotten, like, I remembered the tone of the movie being, like, kind of slow. And then I was was reminded who directed it. Uh, this is the guy who made Ain't Them Bodies Saints, which I know you and I watched for Sidetracked years ago, Jesse. Yeah. It it also had uh, Casey Affleck in it. Yep. Then I never saw it, but he made Pete's Dragon, which was, like, his jump into, like, mainstream movies. But from everything I understand, he made, like, a very, like, quiet, boring, <laughs> obtuse movie that didn't do so well. My kids love that movie, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've still never seen Have you watched it with them? Or I've seen parts of it, but. Okay. Uh, and then he made a movie called A Ghost Story, which I've also not seen. But from what I understand, uh, uh, Casey Affleck plays a ghost. And the <laughs> entire movie, sheets. he's under a white sheet with yeah. like eye and mouth holes cut out of it. And it's like a weird indie drama kind of thing. And then he made The Green Knight, which I know you like, Dex. Yeah. The pretentiousness of that ghost movie, because it's shot in black and white, <laughs> it's four by three, and it's uh, oh, Casey boy. Affleck in a in a sheet the entire time. Sheet. So there's like this like arty, like pretentiousness of it that I remember when it came out. I'm like, really, dude? And then you look at the guy's picture on uh, Wikipedia, and you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, this guy made those movies. I, I thought I the same thing when I saw the picture of him. I was like, oh, that's not what I expected him to look like, but it, it makes sense. But yeah, like, like I said there at the end, he also made The Green Knight, which got a lot of praise recently. Yeah. And um, I thought was visually interesting, but uh, honestly bored me to tears. So then you have Old Man and the Gun. So like I said, it's, it's uh, based on a true story. It's about a guy named Forrest Tucker who was in and out of prison his whole life. I think he broke out of prison 16 or 17 times successfully. And um, when he was in his twilight years, he and a couple of other guys were still robbing banks. No, like, crazy big halls like the street shootout scene in Heat or something. They were, like, taking small amounts of money from small-town banks very quietly. 
And that's how they managed to get away with it for so long. And uh, they were called, they were referred to as the over the hill gang. Mm. I love this movie. Maybe it's because I'm coming off of these other two movies that I absolutely hated. But I thought this movie was excellent. It just, there's an artistry to it. There's like, I love, I love the, um, the almost whimsical nature of it all. Like, um, early on in the movie, you see that he's going to like rob a bank that Casey Affleck's in and he's got his kid. And I thought, oh man, something's like, he's going to, the kid's going to get shot. You know, I felt like a movie moment was going to happen, but then I was like, wait a second, this music is like jazzy piano with like a little bit of it's like it doesn't have that sort of like feel to it and and then i realized oh that's not what this movie is and i love i love how unique this movie is because i feel like if you do give this to someone else they have to movie it up a little bit more and this feels just completely different for sure so i i really enjoyed it i maybe i was just craving some artistry from a movie, <laughs> but I just love like the look. I love how authentically like 1980s that it looked. Uh, the even like there's a lot of times when you see people do like period stuff where it feels doesn't feel authentic. It feels like they're trying to capture a style, but it just doesn't really feel that way. This look and felt like it was actually shot in the 80s, which I could appreciate. I really liked Robert Redford. I mean, he's so likable anyways. Uh, Casey Affleck's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, I mean, the whole cast, Sissy Spacek. I really like Tom Waits, even uh, in, the, in the small role. Yep. Danny Glover in even a small, smaller role, even. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. But I really just enjoyed it all. And again, this movie was uh, 93 minutes, the shortest of the three <laughs> movies that we watched by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. And it really used and took advantage of that 90-minute runtime. Mm-hmm. I just I loved it and I love like the little weird like the again the artsy almost like Wes Anderson like when at the end when they show like all the different times he escaped from the prison they counted it down and then like uh, she's like told him to stay in the prison and then it cuts to a title card where he said he did uh, mm-hmm. I don't know I, I enjoyed that stuff um, yeah I really really like this movie a lot I uh, did not know what to expect going in. I kind of like, again, wasn't really aware of it. I kind of just assumed that it was going to be something about a. I just had a feeling, I don't know if I'd heard it or something about being about a bank robber, especially with the name and everything. I will say I had a good time with it too. I mean, I, I thought it was like aloof and kind of quirky, but I like that, you know, and it's like, I found myself like really enjoying like, you know, like this whole like gentleman bank yes, thing I, I feel that. like I've never seen yeah. before. And like every time there was a scene where it's like the cops were talking to a witness, they're just like, he was just, you know, he's, he was a gentleman. He was very polite. And all of a sudden I just like <laughs> found myself smiling at that. Like, yeah, it was kind of, you know, when something like this where it says it's like, you know, partially a true story, I was like very intrigued. I was like, I wonder how much of that is, is true or is it? But it like, not that it even matters, but that just kind of adds to it. Couldn't you see this handled so much differently by like a different just oh, a sure. normal director that would take this in like right. such a like generically specific way that we've totally. seen like a million times? I think that's kind of what I appreciated about it. Yeah, me too. Like I think it could have would have had just like a completely different vibe if it wasn't like this director with like this editing and the music and even just like Robert Rever just like looks like he's having a good time every time you see him. Hmm. 
even though he's just like, you know, sweetly grandpa style robbing banks. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, it's what he like, loves. I love, I love that it even ends yeah. the way that it does with him. You know, having, yeah, going rob, for sure, doing what Robs he loves. Four banks in one day. Like, <laughs> he just, it's, it's, you know, he just can't help himself. It's all about the juice. And I even thought like they were setting up something when they talked about like uh, the car backfiring, right? Like. He never fires right. his gun. So I yeah, thought they were setting up like, that, yeah. yeah, like, oh, uh-huh. he's going to get shot because there, someone thinks that he's shooting at them. And there is like that stuff, but it doesn't, I don't know. It just, it's not focused on like the action. It's not focused on like right. the show. It's way more personal. Like even the big robbery that they do, the three of them, they're like, we see them staking out the place. We see them doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, it happens. We don't even get to see what what happened, but they, uh, I don't know. They do it in a different way. I, it's, again, I just really appreciated yeah. the artistry of it. I did too, and it felt like you know what did this twenty eighteen like? I feel like you know the past four or five x amount of years. There's like there's so much pushback against like blockbusters and sequels and the whole thing. Like this feels like the the exact kind of people movie people were like asking for. You know, it's like a different kind of an easy story, but it's like entertaining and it's well made and it's just like completely off the beaten path, but it's still like a fantastic movie. Yeah. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Perfect. And it matches its perfect runtime of 93 minutes. <laughs> All right, Ryan, why didn't you like this movie? So I saw this probably in 2018, like I said, and um, I knew I really just i don't think at the time i knew it was david lowry i don't even remember maybe we had seen eighth embody saints at that point but um it was like a thing where i was like oh uh got this movie uh again i think from the library and was like hey dad you want to watch this it's a movie about bank robbers with uh with robert redford and i remember watching it with my dad and it just not being what i was expecting at all and when it was over, it wasn't that I liked it or disliked it. I just felt like it didn't really move the needle for me at all. And it was going to be very forgettable. So, like, I wasn't super excited about watching it again because it wasn't that long ago that I saw it. Uh, I think going into it knowing what to expect, I definitely liked it more this time. Mm. But, uh, like, I do appreciate a lot of the style and the look of it. But I still just didn't find that it thrilled me all that much and not in a way of like oh it's not an action film like obviously yeah. i know that but just like it i wasn't like bowled over with joy by it like it sounds like maybe you were jesse uh, i think it's a well-made movie that just didn't i don't know yeah it didn't have uh interesting didn't have ray romano in it <laughs> <laughs> could have helped i don't know thank thank god <laughs> No, yeah, it's like, like I said, I, I just don't, my, my big thing is I just don't have super strong feelings about it. Yeah. I agree that the movie looks good. I like some of the music. I like some of the choices, like not showing that robbery because just imagine them doing that robbery with like a bunch of old guys running around getting shot mm-hmm. at by the cops. Right. I, I like the vibe of it overall, I think, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, um, I don't know what they could have done differently without losing like the soul of what the movie is yeah. that would have made me like it more. Um, I even appreciate the fact that it's like, so like what you said, Dax about, um, about Robert Redford seeming like he was having a good time doing it. This movie was based on a 2003 New Yorker, New Yorker article uh, by a guy named David Gran, 
And when Robert Redford read the article, he immediately wanted to make a movie out of it. And uh, he specifically brought it to David Lowry because he thought that he would be a good fit to make it. Meanwhile, David Lowry had no interest in making a movie about cops and robbers, but couldn't turn up the opportunity to work with Robert Redford. And so uh, David Lowry wrote the script as well. And his first couple of tries, Robert Redford wasn't gelling with because... David Lowry was writing, according to him, the kind of movie that he thought like a cops and robbers movie should be, mm-hmm. uh, like more of a true crime or a journalistic version of the story. And then after Robert Redford seemed like disappointed in the stuff that the guy he specifically chose to do the movie was showing him, uh, he sat back and decided to instead write the movie version of the story that he thought Forrest Tucker, the real criminal would have liked to have seen mm. and that's what robert redford loved yeah it that's was awesome. more of like a human personal story about the guy and what makes him tick instead of like an outside looking in view mm. at at like the acts that the guy performed and more about like what makes him tick and they don't even really dig into like why he's so into being a criminal but like you definitely are on the inside with yeah. him like knowing that this is what makes him happy and he can't right. live without it and he's like bored when he can't do it and it's like all he knows yeah yeah i mean he started when he was super young there's two scenes that really stuck out to me um one was towards the end when uh they are in this uh affleck and uh redford in the same restaurant and he goes to the yes. bathroom and then he comes out mm-hmm. and uh, they have scene. that that little conversation and then he calls him by name. Oh, that was so good. So and, good. <laughs> and then um the scene with Elizabeth Moss where they're like, we just have this one scene. Let's get a really good actress to perform it. And <laughs> yeah. uh and he just interviews her and he tells him about her, you know, uh Forrest. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't know him, but knew of him. The interesting thing about that scene is she's the only person in the entire film who seems to have any animosity towards him. And it's not because he was a bank robber or anything, but it's because right. he like abandoned the family. Right. And, like, right. She felt that her her mother was like, uh, you know, didn't mean anything to him or whatever. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. She's like, I don't want to pick him out of a lineup or whatever, but uh you sh- I thought you should know that it's him. Right. I don't, yeah. It was just someone that's like a really good actress or a really good actor that comes in literally for just one scene and then just right. kind of chews the scene up in a very natural mm-hmm. way. I don't know. I just, I dig that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like when they pull that and it, yeah, again, that's not like, doesn't feel like the normal way, like a no- quote unquote normal director would pick, you know, for that, that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally it's like a throwaway role, but you exactly. get, you get someone that's actually really good and you get, give them, give them a uh-huh. chance to just do your one scene. Here's your one day. I do find myself like regularly, like really enjoying like period piece things, which are just back to whatever previous decade. And like, I think like you said, it's like this before is, cell phones ruined everything pretty yep. much. So yeah, this is like <laughs> a perfect representation of the time. I don't think when I first saw this, I had any idea who John David Washington was. He's not in the movie, yeah. ton, but he's in there is uh Casey Affleck's like partner, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Keith Carradine is actually in the movie for like one yep. shot. He actually yep. had like more of a part, but they cut him out almost entirely. He's from Dexter, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also in just a ton of right. other movies like McCabe and Miss Miller and Nashville. Ridley Scott's first movie, The Duelists. It was the old guy that Jennifer Carpenter fell in love with, right? <laughs> yes. Hunting the Trinity <laughs> yes. Killer. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he was good. That yeah, was when Dexter nice. was good. <laughs> here, here. Yeah, it's better for her to fall in love with some old guy than to fall in love with her own brother. So also that <laughs> was, true. in fact, when the show was good. <laughs> this is just kind of like an offhanded thing, but I thought it was interesting. So there's two references to Tulane Blacktop in the movie. Uh, one is obviously the scene in the movie theater. They watch a scene from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, two, the uh, chase the chase sequence takes place in a 57 Chevy, which is an homage to Tulane Blacktop. Yeah. Uh, David Lowry said that he viewed Warren Oates in that film as similar to Forrest Tucker. Mm. I'm not 100% sure what the connection is to Warren Oates' character GTO in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't seem that similar to me. Like, I would have said stylistically he's more similar to the other two characters that drive the other car. But I don't know. I, I think it's neat that he did it anyway yeah. because I love that movie. For sure. Robert Redford decided while making The Old Man and the Gun that, w- that it would be his final film because he liked the tone and wanted his final film to be fun. So it's kind of interesting that like in the process of making this one, he was like, this feels right. And then yeah. decided to stop. I like it. And uh, he appeared briefly in Avengers Endgame, but he had actually filmed those scenes before The Old Man and the Gun because that movie was such a massive undertaking. It just took that much longer to come out than Mm, this little thing, which they probably shot in a couple weeks, edited and threw out there. Yeah. Uh, Robert Redford is currently 86 years old and still kicking. Okay. Uh, This movie had a budget of $15.8 million and only made $17.9. Mm. Yeah, this, this isn't like a the kind of movie I'd expect to take the world by storm. But. Exactly. I feel like it would needed like a bunch of like Oscar nominations, which I don't think it got for it to make make any money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good, good stuff that I would not have watched if not for the show. Yeah. Something to be proud to go out on, though, as opposed to the other two. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought was interesting is that he like decided this this would be a good one where the other two felt more reactionary like, mm, yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. it's time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much more of these I could take. Sean Connery spent spent 3 years thinking like, do I even want to do any more of this shit? And he's like, nope. Uh so to wrap it up, what's everybody's favorite Robert Redford film or role? For me, it's always got to be Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Yeah, say, for me, it's probably. Butch. I, 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 how can it be? I mean, like, I really love him in the Sting, but Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is just too iconic. Yeah, uh, I also do love him in Sneakers, though. Oh, I do love Sneakers. Yeah, big big Sneakers fans over here. One of the ones I remember you and I both liked that we watched uh, for sidetracked a while back. Jesse was Brubaker, the prison movie. Yeah, that was that good. Was also good. I mean, he's just a good actor. If you look at his filmography, it's just like maybe not home run, but it's just like everything is just like solid. He doesn't have like a, a mm-hmm. run of like shitty movies that he was in. It felt like he was always in stuff that was like at least decent, you know? Yeah. Of course, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So can't forget that. Yeah, of course. Again, I haven't seen a ton of his stuff. I mean, I do. I do. I've only seen. Uh, Butch and Sundance once, but I did love it. Even if you haven't seen it, like a lot of the stuff that you'll, if you just look at the list, you'll, 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 you'll three yeah. days at the Condor, right? Like, 
I'm sure you've heard of that. All the for sidetrack too, I think. Yeah, yeah. All the all the presidents men. Yeah, all the presidents out of Africa. That was real good. Oh, we watched this on sidetrack. The Natural. Right. That was one of the best sports movies that we watched. Oh, you know, in decent proposal, he's actually pretty good. He should he should be like a creepy, smarmy old dude, but he plays that pretty good. I never saw that. That one I've never seen. Yeah, that's good. Last Castle, I've seen that. He's pretty good. Yeah, that too. that's a good movie. That's uh, James Gandolfini, right? Yep. Spy Game. Was that any good? Never saw that one. Yeah, I never saw Spy Game. You know what? I'm going to give it to Sneakers for me over Butch. All right. I just love Sneakers. Sneakers is good. It's great in it. All right. Uh, shall we talk about the posters for these films? Please. So League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Jesse, go. I mean, it is shitty to the to the core. All of that black, like none of the faces like shine. The fact the way that it's not like uh they're lined up like people are standing next to each other. It's mm-hmm. they photoshop them all together and then add shadows to like make them blend in, and it's awful. Like just awful. Yeah. And then it's like this grayish green tone. I, I don't. I don't get it. I would have. I would have gone like an old timey like newspaper look or something. I don't know, like give it a like little a, bit more like a pulpy kind of thing, but yeah. Yeah. Was... And then the the logo is just like too matrixy. It, it, I don't know, it just feels like very X-Men or whatever. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. early two thousands has no yeah. style. I mean, it just feels like the the comic was very much more of like, this is a Victorian adventure. And then for the movie where they actioned it up, they were like, yeah, we want it to seem old, but it's still got to be cool. So let's make it look like metal girders or something. (laughs) But it it has just no style to it. And then, of course, I mean, Sean Connery's name is almost bigger than the entire thing. It's just like. I think it's crazy that they didn't show his full face. And they blacked his. I was just going to say that, that they, of everyone, I mean, you could see everyone's face. But his. No, you can't see the Invisible Man's. Well, of course. <laughs> Everyone else. I mean, like, he's a heavy shadow, but no one else right. is. At least show his eyes. At least let us see those those eyes. I mean, the movie, the movie could be even so much better, even if it just wasn't so dark and drab. And the poster is exactly that as well. Discover an adventure in a league of its own. Terrible. <laughs> That's pretty lame. That's, That's really, really bad. Really lame. <laughs> Even if it was just they are in a league of their own would have been better than discover an adventure in a league of their <laughs> yeah. own. Yeah. So I feel like it's it starts all right at the top with like the an invisible man, a scientist. I feel like that even has a little bit more style to it. And then as your eyes just go mm-hmm. down, it loses all that style becomes generically bad. I think it's kind of funny in the movie they repeatedly refer to Mina Harker as a scientist so much so that when she's like looking at vials of chemicals or whatever in uh, in the Nautilus at one point I was thinking to myself was Mina Harker a scientist in the in the original like story of Dracula or is this just them trying to give her a role so she's not just the girl because yeah. in the comic I I did read that she doesn't like have vampire powers or anything she wears the bandana thing around her neck because she was bitten but she's just kind of the leader who brings them all together in the comic and they decided to vampire her up in this one to make her more of like a superhero but along the top it lists who everyone is and they don't call her 
a scientist. They call her a vampire. And then it's like, oh, shit. Well, who are we going to call scientists now? So they give it to Captain Nemo. See, that's in the movie. I thought they were referring to him every time they said that. I remember them constantly calling her a scientist because, like I said, every Mm. time I questioned, like, is she classically one or not? And there was a scene where she was, like, sitting there Mm -hmm. looking at some vials of liquid or something. Whereas, I mean, I would have thought they would have called Captain Nemo a pirate or something. Yeah. Well, I thought that's what they, when they were, like, you know, the reasons for bringing them together to take all their skills. Like, that's what they took from him was his, like technological scientific know-how i don't know because they regardless yeah, it's, it's an a, awful it's, poster it's a, it's a bad poster but boy is it like of that time yes oh 100 percent. yep it reminds me of like an x-men poster honestly oh yeah for sure oh yeah yeah for yeah. sure that's that's definitely what they were riffing on uh welcome to mooseport this town isn't small enough for the both of them for all intents and purposes i don't hate that uh that tagline I mean, it doesn't I guess that that makes sense with the movie. It's like a fun little twist on words. It's not necessary or anything, but I mean, this is like you know. All right, here's the idea: toss it to the intern to make the poster. <laughs> it does. Feel like the first it does. first idea we came up with. Okay, make that. First of all, get the names Gene Hackman and Ray Romano off of the middle of the poster. That is just bad Photoshop. That is like that's just placed. terrible. Just bad placement. Put them at the Why very couldn't top. that have been at the top or the bottom? Yeah, totally. Just put right. that at the very top. The welcome to Mooseport postcard is fine. And then the tagline yeah, doesn't need sense. to be there at all. If anything, just put that at the bottom. But having that right dead having their names dead center is just awful. Mm-hmm. That's just really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could just be because of how small the poster is. I'm looking at it on my phone, but uh, that like light yellow text at the top mm, also yeah. is, like is hard to read against the white. It's a gradient too. It's yellow to it's white. A, a a yellow to white gradient on white. Wow, it is, isn't it? And it's like if you're gonna put the moose, yeah. if you're gonna put the antlers on there as a motif. I feel like you couldn't give us the whole moose head. Instead, it's just an antler coming out from the side of each of them with like a general poo brown between their heads. <laughs> I know. I feel like you need to put like a nature background too. like put them, put them in Mooseport totally. or something, you know, not just the white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, old man in the gun. Oh, right. You it. know, I'm going to love this one, don't you? Uh, I enjoy this. Do I? I think this is great. <laughs> well, I mean, I, going back to sidetrack, we'd like rank covers and stuff, and it always ranked. You remember that classic Savage Dragon cover that is like all in the snow? It's like all white. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I'm a huge, I mean, I did it for a Broken Legacy even too, using like the That's all right. white in true. a very like <laughs> bold way. I love this. I love this poster. Yeah. I love the Tons font of negative space. Yes, yeah. I love the negative I like space. It. I love the font. I love the colors that they chose. Even like the fact that uh, the red really pops off of everything else. It's blue. Like the the blue names match his suit. And then you have this mm-hmm. story is mostly true in a light gray. And then the, it's not actual white. It's like an eggshell white too. Oh man, I love this poster <laughs> so much. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. This poster it's is like nice fire. stationary color white. I'd hang this up. I would hang this up for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is good. for something I've never seen. Like I would have never known this was the poster. I do dig this one. I even love the logo. It's, the, it's classy. Yeah, it's super classy. And the logo, the way it's not just OMG 
like uh like all lined up <laughs> the way it's like offset that even didn't even occur to me <laughs> <laughs> oh that would have been hilariously bad if they'd done that even i know accident. but they're smart enough to know as you can tell someone with class and style actually made the poster because they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't let o- omg stand out it's offset enough to make it work well. The red, the colors are so, on. Oh, so good too. That muted red with the blue that matches the matches the suit. I love it. It's so good. Well, Jesse, as the guest, why don't you uh, why don't you give us some scores for these? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I have mm-hmm. anything good as I did as I did last time uh, to rate <laughs> them. Um, I, I can I defer it to you, Ryan. I, I guess yes, if you course. want. Yeah, I'm gonna defer it. Uh, I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We've we've seen worse. Uh, we have based solely on that. I'm gonna give this uh two. That's generous. Two squid escape pods. <laughs> That's generous. <laughs> it is squid escape pods. Right? Is it better or worse than the moose port though? I'm not sure. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, they're both awful for different reasons. I mean, Jesse, if you like stuff that's all white backgrounds, you should love this poster. I know I should, but it's it's not good. It's not just not that's good. Like fuck, that is like friggin' Ray Romano's face in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I'm gonna do the same thing on this one. Like it's it's not good, but we've we have seen worse. It could yeah. be worse. So this is gonna right. be a uh two. Wedding rings caked in mud from the sewer drain. <laughs> you know what's the problem? It's no uh, <laughs> Hellraiser Generations or whatever that was. They're not actually even leaning on each other in this poster, if you notice. They're just photoshopped oh, on sure. top of each other. Yeah. You couldn't get them to lean against each other in the mo- for the poster? The yeah. picture? Come on, That's guys. I never understand with these posters. I mean, they just put people in a pose and then they photoshop them together. Like, they don't have any care for whether it actually makes any sort of logical right. sense. <laughs> I mean, just like you said with the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen one, it's not even like they're all lined up in front of one another. Otherwise, uh, Sean Connery's shoulders would be completely covering Mina Harper's cleavage. (laughs) Right. Like, it's just part of him photoshopped together with her so the shadows blend together. Mm -hmm. But not even natural shadows, though. It's like just created shadows in Photoshop. Yeah. Does he even wear that hat in the movie? Not like that. Yeah, an old man, the gun. Uh, I also like as just a simple. It's there's no extra fluff in this one that it doesn't need uh-huh. or anything. I'm gonna give that one uh, four mustaches because there's a lot of those in the movie. <laughs> there's mm. a lot. <laughs> they they're even bold Very enough good. to not show Robert Redford's face in the movie in the poster. I know. Yeah. yeah. Classy decision making all over that one. And. I think even more bold than not showing his face this way is unlike LXG, they didn't make his name huge at the top <laughs> or bottom of the poster somewhere. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That would have been the more egregious thing, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> what if they did his name just like they did in Mooseport, right in the center? <laughs> Across his body. <laughs> like over his, awkwardly over his body. Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, right in the center. Yeah. Amazing. Well, now it's time for Buy, Borrow, Burn. And unless you want to defer again, Jesse, I'm going to throw it to you as the guest. 
No, so I, I can go here. I these. wish. Yeah, I wish there was two burns. Like, I wish I didn't have to borrow anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one time I was like, burn, burn, bye. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely going to burn uh, League, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I thought it was just trash all the way through. Uh, I will launch it into the sun, as, as they say on the show, if I could. Mm-hmm. I thought it was garbage. Uh, I would borrow and then quickly return Moose Ford. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks. And then return it to whoever gave it. To, I borrowed it from. Uh, and then I'm buying big time old man in the gun. Mm-hmm. No surprise nice. there. Well played. Dex. Uh, let's see. Um, easily for me, I will completely destroy. Welcome to Mooseport. That is my burn. I don't ever want to see it or any part of it ever again. You know, I find I find LXG to be unfortunate because I do like the first act. You know, I I think it, it it's redeeming in its first act, and it just falls apart so hard from there that that is my borrow. And old man, the gun is an easy buy. Uh, I better am, not buy League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'll just say that our friendship might be teetering here. <laughs> I am also going to burn Mooseport. I don't think it's completely Mm -hmm. without redeeming qualities, but um, it's like, I like a lot of the, I like a lot of the, the possibilities that that movie Mm. had going for it more than the actual execution. They're all about the vibe. The vibe was strong. I I can't deny it. Uh, It just felt like movies like in and out and, Stuff that came out during that period in like the mid to late nineties that uh I remember seeing with my family. I love it. But um yes, yeah, so that's gonna be my burn and uh let me just put my feet back here and just <laughs> uh, get settled in. For my buy. Uh you know, I did buy it once before. I'm gonna buy League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. You know, it's a flawed movie, but it's like, you know, it's uh it's a cheesy action movie with uh, some cool concepts uh sean connery's in there uh I, I i mean i the only thing i can say is that while i was watching it i was expecting to be like man i remember liking this thing this is going to be terrible and then as i watched it i was like enjoying it and uh old man in the gun it's definitely a better movie but uh i just didn't enjoy it as much as i did watching league of extraordinary gentlemen i still you know, it's it's like I respect Old Man in the Gun more than I actually like it. And I like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen way more than I respect it, if that makes sense. No, I think mm. that I think that sums it up great. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> I think that's how Sidetrack was able to run for fourteen seasons. Or fourteen <laughs> years. <ago>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh three completely different uh rankings tonight so <laughs> i can dig it Ooh, there you go there we go do you think sean connery would buy the league of extraordinary gentlemen over the old man of the gun no <laughs> god no <laughs> nope <laughs> no way in hell <laughs> it made him quit acting oh, just <laughs> <that's> good. <sighs> so good all right uh one final thing to do before we get out of here is to uh what movie we're or what uh, trio of movies we're going to be watching for the next episode and uh jesse whenever we have a guest we let them choose which number from our list here we're going to go with 
so pick us a number, Jesse, between one and two hundred thirty-eight. Mm. I mean, last time I went with the classic sixty-nine, right? I think uh, so I can't do that one again. And I was hoping for four hundred twenty, but you don't have that many movies, so let's just go with forty-two. Oh, 42. All right. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, that is. Theme for next episode is going to be Howl at the Moon. Well done, Vampire Jesse. movies? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're rewatching League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from Harper. <laughs> <laughs> at least I don't have to do it. <laughs> uh, Jesse, another uh, spectacular guest appearance thank you again hey anytime guys i love being on the yeah. show it's super Happy fun you. i love i miss getting mad at ryan for liking stupid shit <laughs> we haven't we can definitely rely on you time. to bring the strong opinions which is something i enjoy <laughs> love about having you on this show uh-huh. <laughs> love it i mean we did it for so long and uh it's not happening anymore so any chance i can get to uh disagree with ryan because i we just played <laughs> i just play we just last of us just finished and now oh, can we not get into this at the end of the show? <laughs> differences on Last of Us, dude. So that was prime Amazing. sidetracked material, but unfortunately, it's just going to have to die. Hey, you, you had your chance when Joel and I played it back when it came out and reviewed it on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you guys might have to maybe do one of your special episodes. <laughs> I don't, it might end our friendship. I don't know. <laughs> fair, fair. Hey, there's no accounting for taste. I know so, you picked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Five, <laughs> exactly. You summed it up for me. Yes, yes. Keep it Seriously though, thanks for having me, guys. I super appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks yeah. for coming back. Pleasure as always. Uh, so until next time, when Dax and I get back together to discuss the theme "Howl at the Moon," my name is Ryan Miller. I'm Joe Daxberger. Jesse Munoz. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, happy, happy.